All right. If you have a Bible this morning, please take it out. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you can find the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then you go to Acts and Romans, then you hit the Corinthians, okay? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 will be there in just a moment. We're continuing our series called Extraordinary. It's a study in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Um, in Matthew 6, we've been focusing on Jesus' teaching about money. And five times in that, in that text, Jesus says, don't worry about money. Don't be anxious about money. Well, the question is, how, how can we not be anxious about money? And the answer to that is if we follow God's plan. God, God has a clear plan in Scripture that can alleviate fear related to having enough of the stuff that we need in life. One of those things I talked about last week is tithing, the principle of the tithe. Uh, you can go back and watch that message if you'd like. Today we're going to talk about living a lifestyle of generosity. Living a lifestyle of generosity. Let's pray. Lord, as we open up the scriptures this morning, uh, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would help us to see uh, this, this principle of generosity that we see in Christ. Uh, Lord, Lord, help us to not be so tight-fisted with our stuff. Help us to not be so uh, closed-hearted to people. But Lord, help us to, to learn this, this incredible principle of, of a life of generosity and the joy that that brings. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. So let me ask this morning, who's the most generous person that you know? Who's the most generous person that you know? I mean, they're always giving away their time and their resources to help people, to make, to make somebody else's life better. I mean, the, they, they'd give you the shirt off their back if you needed it. Who is that person? Can you think of them? And what's their overall attitude? What are they like? Are they joyful or grumpy? Are they humble or arrogant? Are they fun to be with or are they mean-spirited? What are, what are they like? I'm willing to guess that if they're genuinely generous, they're probably joyful, humble, and fun to be around. Because Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to, what? Give than to receive. There is incredible joy in giving. It's more blessed. Now, it's a blessing to get stuff. It's a blessing to get presents. It's a blessing to, to get gifts from people, whatever. Jesus says it's more blessed or more joyful to give than it is to receive. Part of the extraordinary life that Jesus invites us into is a life of generosity. To follow Christ is to be generous. That's what we're going to see today. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that means walking in generosity like Jesus did. So we're going to read this text this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I want to give you a little background to to both chapter 8 and chapter 9 in 2 Corinthians. So here's what's happening. The churches in Jerusalem, which were mainly comprised of Jewish Christians, so Jewish churches, Jewish Christian churches in Jerusalem, because of famine and persecution, were experiencing extreme poverty. I mean, they didn't have anything. And so Paul, when he leaves Jerusalem and he, and he starts going into the other regions to preach the gospel and to start churches, when he goes into Antioch in Syria, when he goes up into Macedonia, when he comes down into, into Corinth in Greece, 
he, he says that he wants to take an offering or, or collect an offering from all of these churches, which were primarily Gentile churches, not Jewish churches, primarily Gentile Christians. He wants to receive an offering to give to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. Now, Jews and Gentiles didn't always get along. So this is an incredible testimony on the part of the Jewish Christians to say, we're going to we're going to sacrifice, we're going to take an offering, and we're going to give it to the, to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, Paul says, I really don't need to write to you, or it's superfluous to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, because Paul has already alerted them to this. They've already started the collection. Verse 5, so I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift that you promised, this, this offering, is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Notice that. That in this, in this generosity that Paul is talking about, when you, when you give, you always have enough and a little extra to share with other people. As the scriptures say, they share freely, they give generously to the poor, their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. What I wanna do this morning is I wanna share with you what I think is a, a theology of generosity a theology of generosity. In other words, a biblical view of what it means to be generous. And, and, and I think you'll, you'll find that maybe you knew some of these points, maybe you didn't. But what does the Bible actually say about generosity? And, and the first thing is this. Generosity is a work of the Holy Spirit. Generosity in people is a work of the Holy Spirit. Now, having said that, I wanna say, I think there are some people in life that are just kinda naturally generous. They just are, without the Holy Spirit. But most of us need a little help. Most of us need a little encouragement, which the Holy Spirit gives us when we become Christians, to live more generously. Okay, here's what Paul says. In chapter 8, he says, Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers or preaching, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, or that could mean encouragement or exhortation, and your love, from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Keep that scripture up there for a moment. What is Paul saying? Those first few things that we, that we see there, faith, knowledge, uh, preaching, enthusiasm or encouragement, love, th those are all in other places of scripture that we would identify when Paul talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Love is a gift that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Preaching, teaching, prophesying, those were, those were spiritual gifts. And Paul says, as a church, you guys excel in those things. You, you are a people that, that live uh, under the direction of the Holy Spirit in those areas. 
Now Paul says, I want you also, just like you, just like you submit to the Holy Spirit in those other areas of ministry, I want you to, to, to experience the grace of giving. I want you to experience the, the Holy Spirit's work in your life of generosity. See, see, generosity is motivated internally by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit urges us, compels us, and motivates us to be generous and give our lives away. So, so if you are a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit in you, God is going to continually be moving you toward sharing and giving what you have with other people. That, that's just what the Holy Spirit does. In fact, I would go so far as to say this. We as Christians would actually have to say no to or resist the Holy Spirit in our lives in order to not be generous. If you want to not be generous, you're going to have to, to suppress what the Holy Spirit wants you to do because the Holy Spirit is constantly moving us toward a life of generosity. Here's what John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. But, but whoever has worldly goods, physical things, possessions, and sees a brother or sister in need and closes his heart against them. Another version says, shows no compassion or refuses to be compassionate. Look at the language there, it's pretty strong. You're actually closing your heart to a need around you. How does the love of God remain in that person? It's almost like saying, wait, wait, wait. You have material things and there's someone around you that needs help and you don't give them help, you close your heart off? Like, how are you a Christian? How does Christ live in you? That's how strong this statement is. Having said that, let me say this. There are times in my life, and I assume in your life as well, when the Holy Spirit will tell me, don't give to that person, or don't give to that organization, when, when the Holy Spirit does sort of close my heart. But those are the exceptions. The norm is when, when I come across needs and, and, and the Holy Spirit is kind of moving with compassion in my heart, I'm supposed to help. I'm supposed to give something. I'm, I'm supposed to sacrifice something. As you go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see the story of Jesus over and over and over. Here's what we read. And Jesus moved with what? Compassion, healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out a demon, fed people, whatever, moved with compassion. The Holy Spirit is that voice of compassion that helps us to feel the pain of people around us and moves us to share with them, to share something with them. So I think we almost have to close our hearts and resist the Holy Spirit to not be generous because he's always moving us in that direction. So, so this past week, Shirlene, my wife and I, we met with someone in the church um, someone very hurting, someone really broken. And uh, in, in my thought related to this appointment, I thought it was going to be a 30-minute meeting. It turned, to be, turned out to be nearly two hours. This wasn't the best week in the natural for me to turn a 30-minute meeting into a two-hour meeting. I had three other teaching engagements other than getting ready for this sermon. Um, that was actually my study day. Uh, so I, I try to protect that time as well as I can so I can, I can really dig in and study. That wasn't the best day, but we had this meeting with this person and we went home. And, and the first thing I said to Shirlene was, I don't care how big the church gets. I don't care how busy we think we are. We always say yes to that. 
When, when we have the opportunity, I get boundaries, folks, I get boundaries. I get you can't do everything for everyone. But when we have the opportunity as Christians to share what we have with people that need something, to share our wisdom, to share our experience, to share our lives, to share our counsel, to pray with, to love, to encourage, when we have the opportunity to do that, I'm not shutting my heart off. I said, I don't care how big we get or how busy we think we are, we have to continue to make the investment into the lives of people because the Holy Spirit is always moving us in that direction. If you're a Christian right now, he's moving you to generosity. He's moving you to give your life away, give your time away, give your talent away, give your resources away to help other people. The second thing is this. Generosity was modeled by Jesus. Generosity was modeled by Jesus. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 8. Paul says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Okay, we're talking about a theology of generosity and it starts with Christ. All good theology begins with Jesus. What Jesus taught, what Jesus said, what Jesus did. This text of scripture says that Christ in heaven had everything that he needed. He was rich, he was, he was God, and, and he was glorified, and he, was, he, he, was, he had everything he needed but he stepped out of heaven and he stepped into the earth. He humbled himself, took the form of flesh and blood. Jesus stepped out of heaven into the earth so you and I could step out of the earth into heaven. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, it says, became poor so we could become rich. Jesus became less so we could become more. That's the, that's the essence of generosity. That's, that answers the question why of generosity. Because Jesus did. Because Jesus models to us this life of generosity. He left the comfort of heaven, took on humanity, took on flesh and blood, because he knew there was no way for us to be rich spiritually apart from him, apart from him dying on the cross. So Jesus became poor spiritually so that we could become rich. Jesus came and died so that we could go to heaven and have a relationship with God. Th th that's the model for us. So, a few years ago, I was standing right out those doors where I normally do greeting people on the way in. And, and an older lady came up to me, and I could tell something was bothering her, and she said, she said, Pastor, we want you to know that we're not happy with where the church is going. There's always a we. Like, she's the leader of this army, right? And, and we've got this whole group of people behind me, and we're not, we're not happy about the direction of the church. We don't, we don't like the music, and it's way too loud. And I just said, hey, 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 could, could we like talk about that this week? Could you make an appointment? Just come, I'd love to talk with you about your feelings and your heart and what, what's going on in your life. Um, and she just, she just really wanted to give me an earful in front of people out there. Let me know that what I was doing or what we were doing as a church was not satisfying her spiritual desires. You're not doing what, what I really feel. We, this army that's behind me, we feel like you need to do. And I'm like, hey, just, I, I gotta preach in like 10 minutes. Could you just go away for a minute like so I can get my mind together here for a second? So she walks in and immediately another older woman just rushes up to me and grabs both of my hands. She says, pastor, isn't it wonderful? 
I'm like, not really. It's not really that wonderful right now to be chewed out in front of everybody. She said, no, isn't it wonderful? I said, what is wonderful? She says, look, isn't this wonderful? I said, what are we looking at? I don't, know, I don't know what we're looking at. She said, all these young people coming in. All these college students coming in. All these young families with their kids. She said, Pastor, that's why we made the sacrifice. Would, would you just take a moment and look around here? Look at this building. Look at this worship center. So, some of you have been down in the gymnasium. You've been in Grand Central. You've been in Oakwood Chapel. You've been down in the Family Life Center. Look, look at this. This is, I think, the most incredible church facility in Sioux Falls, probably in all of South Dakota. It's incredible. She's holding my hands and she says, Pastor, this is why we made the sacrifice. This is, this is why we gave our money. This is why we gave our time. We wanted, we wanted Jesus to reach people in our city. We wanted young families to come and bring their kids. We wanted college students to come to know Christ. This is why we made the sacrifice. She didn't like the music either. <laughs> she thought it was too loud. But she got it. She said, Pastor, we became less so they could become more. We became poor so they could become rich. And like, like with tears in her eyes, seeing, seeing this fruit of the harvest come in, after years and years of sacrifice, people gave their money, their time, their resources to build this facility, saying, God, we just pray that you would save as many people in Sioux Falls as possible. She got it. We become less so others can become more. That's generosity. The third thing is generosity isn't limited to the rich. Generosity isn't limited to the rich, and we think that's the case. If we have money, then we can be generous. If we have a lot of money, then, then we can be really generous, and God doesn't work that way. Generosity is for every Christian. So here's what Paul says. Now, brothers and sisters, we make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of what? Afflict, not comfort, not blessing, affliction. In a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty. You ever heard those two words together, joy and poverty? Abundant joy and not having anything? Overflowed in the wealth of their generosity. For I testify that according to their ability, and listen, even beyond, their, even beyond what they could afford. They gave illogically. They, they gave more than any sane person would say, you know, you shouldn't give that much, right? They gave voluntarily. See, generosity isn't determined by the size of the gift. Generosity is determined by the size of the sacrifice on the one who gives. So rich and poor alike are called to be generous with their stuff. Jesus understood that. And Jesus tells his disciples a story about a, a woman in the temple. Here's what he says in Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came 
and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given what? Everything she had to live on. Okay, this is weird. Jesus is affirming a woman for giving everything she had at the temple. Now, honestly, how many of you would have encouraged that woman to do that? Just, just give everything to the church. I don't think I would have. I think I would have said, hey, okay, what do you have? Because you need to eat, right? You need to take care of yourself and then, and then give something. Jesus affirms this woman for giving everything. He, in fact, he says she gave more. Her, her generosity was way greater than everyone else that was putting out of their surplus something in the temple box. Why did Jesus affirm her? Because Jesus knew at that moment the Father's heart was swelling with love. He knew in that moment what the Father's heart was toward that widow. Like, whoa, are you kidding? She just gave everything for me. I'm going to give everything for her. I'm going to make sure that her needs are met because that's the heart of the Father. Is, is you, you, you give generously to the Lord. You give what you think the Lord wants and you're going to see the Father's heart kick in. I want to read a letter to you. The whole point of this is that, that generosity isn't limited to rich people, right? This was a letter given to me by a man in the church, an older man in the church, a week or so ago, before he even knew that I was going to be preaching on, on money and, and that kind of thing. Here's what it says. Uh, good morning, my name is blank. I, I'd like to tell you a story today, a story about planting seeds of faith. It's a story of my father, Otto. My parents were farmers in the 30s. They would sit on the front, front, uh, front steps and pray for rain as farmers. And then big clouds would roll in. There was a windmill on the farm that had fallen down. Dad fixed it and pulled it up. There was a gradual slope from the windmill, and they planted a garden there. The water ran down the garden rows, and that gave them a good garden. The oats would come up and dry out, and Dad would mow it in order to feed the chickens. One day, Dad went to town with eggs, vegetables, and money for his pledge, a faith pledge he had made to the church. Pastor Idy said, Otto, you can wait with your pledge. I know these are hard times, but there will be better days ahead. Dad said, I want to pay it now. He went down to the town to buy groceries. A farmer came up to him and said, I've not paid you for cutting those logs for me. Dad said, you can wait. There will be better times. He said, no, I want to pay you now. Dad got his groceries and then another farmer met him and paid him for work that he had done. He went home and said to mom, I went to town to pay the church. I got groceries and came home with more money than I gave. <laughs> Watching my dad give, no matter what the circumstances, planted a seed of faith in me. And I've seen it grow and become part of my life. Giving is what Christians do in thankfulness for what God has given us. And although we've never had a lot, there was always enough for us to have a home and even to take a vacation. 
Giving in thanks for our blessings has created more blessings and so more reasons to give. My dad was a giver and my dad was blessed and I'm thankful for the seed of faith that was planted in me. Isn't that good? Poor farmer, understanding the principle of generosity and the faithfulness of God when you give what you have, when you hold to your promise to the Lord that God is faithful to reward that. So when Charlene and I were newly married, we were just starting a family, we were dirt poor. Uh, I, I worked part-time at a grocery store. I worked third shift, uh, which is like uh, 11 at night till about seven in the morning. <clears throat> Um, I was working part-time in ministry, not making a whole lot of money. And um, uh, in those days, I drove a, a 73 Ford Pinto. Look at this baby right here. That's what I'm talking about right there. Wood panel on the sides. Got me about 15 miles to the gallon, just a gas hog. That's what I drove. And I worked graveyard shift. Uh, and so every Sunday night at, at 11 o'clock, I'd go to work. But, but this was the end of the week and I, the gas tank was always on empty, like just dry as a bone. And so I'd go to the mobile station on Sunset in West Covina and I'd put $5 in the tank. Now, at that point, gas was less than, $5, less than a dollar a gallon, okay? So, so maybe six gallons I got out of five bucks. And every Sunday night, I put $5 of gas in there and every Sunday night, the, the, the gauge went to exactly a half tank, exactly a half tank, no more, no less. It's exactly what it was. Go to work, that would last me through the week. Well, that Sunday night, uh, Shirlene and I went to, to church that evening. There was a missionary there. And he was sharing about their mission, their mission work. I don't remember where it was. It might have been somewhere in Africa. And, and we felt moved of, of the Lord to give something. And so Shirlene and I, uh, maybe you guys do this two couples, when you're in a situation where like, well, what should we give? You kind of turn to each other. Hey, what, do you, what are you feeling right now? What should we give? And Shirlene's usually like here, and I'm usually like down, down here somewhere. <laughs> And uh, we try to meet in the middle somewhere. I said, hey, babe, what, do you, what are you feeling like we should give? And she said this. And, <laughs> and I said, okay, I was kind of more down, down here. And so we talked about it. And we said, we, we just need to give really generously. We, we were moved with compassion for this ministry. So I don't remember the amount of the gift, but, but we, it, it basically emptied our checking account, which at that point was probably about $43 or something like that. I don't, don't know what it was. We were dirt poor. And we gave that. And so that, that night... Went home, slept for a couple of hours, got in my 73 Ford Pinto wagon and went to the mobile station on Sunset in West Covina, put $5 in like I always do, started driving to work and I'm watching it, boom, there it is, half tank. And then it kept going. Pass full. What? Wait, what just happened? Did I put $10 in? No, I only had five. $5, which is always in the natural, a half tank, turned into a full tank. I've tried that since. It's never worked <laughs> since. I mean, gas prices today, wouldn't it be cool to pay for a half and get a full? Never worked ever since. God wanted me to see as a young man that didn't have much money that generosity is not for the rich, it's for everyone. And if you are willing to be generous with me, I will always meet your needs. I'll, in fact, I'll go beyond what your needs are. God taught a young man the principle of generosity and that God will bless those that give. How many of you are in college? Raise your hand. You're in college. I love seeing our college kids come in. You're probably at the poorest point in your life right now. 
And let's be honest, I mean, you don't have a lot of money. You're, you're, you're taking out student loans. You're hoping to get a good enough job to pay off those loans in like 30 years or before you die or something like that. I mean, you, you, you're not eating well. Some of you, th this is not true because your parents just, you know, pay for everything. But some of you are dirt poor uh, like we were. And, and I just want to say this is the time to learn generosity. This is the time to learn that you, that you can give something away. Give your time away. Volunteer somewhere. Volunteer here at the church. You could volunteer in our Kids Central ministry. You could volunteer in student ministry. You could volunteer somewhere. Give your time. If you have a little bit of money, give it away. Instead of you always be taken, be, being taken out to lunch and everybody paying for you, you take someone out and pay for them, even though it seems like you can't afford it. Learn that principle of generosity now. I, I tell you what, it'll change your life. It'll bring joy and peace into your life like, like you've never known, an excitement about giving and serving the people around you if you'll learn that principle now, before you have a lot of money. All right, number four, uh, principle of generosity. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Again, Paul says this. Now I say this, the one who sows, that's an agricultural term for planting seed, the one who plants seed sparingly, or not much, will also reap sparingly. The one who sows generously or plants seed generously will also reap generously. Small planting, small harvest. Big planting, big harvest. General rule, you, you reap what you sow. Jesus said it a little bit differently. Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter six. He said, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure in giving to others, it'll be measured to you in return. Measure you give, measure you get. Reap what you sow. So a couple of years ago, I was here in the office, and it was lunchtime, and I went over to Qdoba to get lunch, and I was just going to bring it back. And, and, and I'm in line, and there's a lady behind me that was just struggling. I, I think she had a kid with her. I don't, I don't remember, but she just looked like she was either having a hard day or a hard week. And, and I felt like the Lord said, just, just, pay for her, just pay for her meal. You guys do that all the time. I'm nothing special. We all do that probably. And so I got up to the, to the, to the, the register and, uh, and I paid for mine. I said, I just want to pay for hers too. She said, no, 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 you, I have money. You don't need to pay for me. I said, I know that. Uh, I, but, but God just wants you to know he sees you today. He loves you and he just wants you to have a blessing today. And so I paid for her, I think she had a couple of meals. It was like $23. And so I came back to the church and walked into our resource room, which is where our staff mailboxes are just to check to see if I had any mail or any notes or anything I needed to check. And there was an envelope in there, so I, I pulled it out and went into my office and opened it up. And once every two or three years, I get a thank you card. So it wouldn't be weird. You know, it was a, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> wouldn't be weird to get a, and you don't need to give me a thank you card this week because I said that. Um, get a thank you card. Thank, Pastor, thanks for the message or thanks for something or whatever. And so I, I opened that card and there was a gift card in there for $25 to... Qdoba. Now, that was in there before I paid for that woman's meal. Is God just crazy? I mean, how insane are all these things we see in our life when, when you give, how God just, just blesses you? I, I sowed a meal, I reaped a meal. Um, the last thing I want to say is this. Gen generosity principle is you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. What, what you give, God usually returns in greater measure than what you gave. And that's just not money. That, that's, that's like every area of life. Listen to what Paul says. 
God is able to make all grace overflow to you so that always having all sufficient in what? In everything, not just money, in everything. The, the, the blessing of the Lord is we're generous. You, you may have an abundance for every good deed. <clears throat> As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave it to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he is God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Everything we have comes from God. Everything we earn comes from God. He will supply and multiply your seed. Not only supply, but multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for your generosity. All your areas of life. This is going to spill over, not just financially, but into your relationships, your family, your, your marriage, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. As I close this morning, I, just, I, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to talk about this, this principle that you can't outgive God, that, that when we give to the Lord, when, when we give in obedience to God in whatever he asks us to do, the return on that is usually greater than what we gave. You, you think you're giving a lot, God, God's going to give more in your life. So you guys are, are very generous and very faithful in your financial giving to the church here. And so we have, a, we have a, a volunteer committee of people that when we get requests for money from other uh, ministry partners or people or whatever, they, they sort of sit down with those requests and they determine which ones we, they feel like we should pursue. And then it goes to the elder board and the elders approve these, these financial decisions. And so over the last couple of years, there's, there's been a lot of giving. There's been a lot of need and a lot of opportunity and, and, and we've really tried to be generous in that. And this is essentially your, your gifts, your generosity. So you have a part in this. These are things that you've contributed to. I just want to sh just share with you. November 2021, we distributed $54,000 to our single moms at Central. When we asked our finance director if we had enough money in our benevolence account, he said he thought it would be okay since that very week someone had given a $50,000 check for benevolence. We've never had a check anywhere near $50,000. That week, the week we had made a decision to give about $50,000 to help some folks in our congregation, someone gave a check for $50,000. You can't make this stuff up. December 20th, 2021, we gave Sioux Falls First Church here in town $20,000 to help them pay off their building debt. The next Sunday, we brought in $35,000 over our budget needs. January 19th, 2022, we gave $40,000 for food and medical relief supplies for the Civil War in Ethiopia to a ministry partner. The next weekend, we brought in $46,000 over our weekly needs. January 27th, 2022, we gave the Timothy Initiative $100,000 to train church planters in Ethiopia. Within the month, we brought in $360,000 over budget needs. March 16th, 2022, we gave Converge Heartland, which is our denomination, $25,000 to support churches in Ukraine. Over the next several weeks, we brought in an extra $300,000 over budget needs which is an Ethiopian, uh, Ethiopian orphanage, $108,000 for purchase and shipping of an industrial generator, industrial washer and dryer, and industrial dishwasher. Over the next several weeks, we brought in an extra $240,000 over budget needs. September 15, 2022, we gave Call to Freedom, $100,000 for the Marissa House. The next Sunday, we brought in $130,000 over budget needs. November 16, 2022, we gave Empower $200,000 
to purchase a 10-unit home in Pettigrew Heights for Renewal 58. Over the next few weeks, we hit, we brought in $344,000 over our budget needs. On November 22nd, 2022, we gave Empower $82,000 for a grocery store project. Over the next two weeks, we brought in $143,000 over budget needs. I don't care what you say, you can't outgive God. I mean, we, we keep giving it out and God keeps bringing it in because we, we try to be generous in those situations when we see needs around us. So our mission statement here is, is we exist to equip you, to teach you how to share the love of Jesus with those in your relational world. Do you know the greatest way to sh- share the love of Jesus with those in your relational world? A life of generosity. Give your life away. Give your time away. Give your resources away. Give your money away. Give your heart away. Give your wisdom away. Give your counsel away. Give your life away and in so demonstrate who Jesus Christ is. God is not stingy. God is generous. Why do his people act so stingy sometimes? We don't reflect our God when we live tight-fisted and close-hearted toward people. God is a generous God. He gave us his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God is a generous God. You want to make an impact on those in your relational world? Live a life of generosity. Become poor that someone else can become rich. It's just the extraordinary life that Jesus calls us to. It's an invitation to live differently. It's an invitation to live a life of joy and peace that maybe you've never lived before as you don't hold to your stuff, but you give it away and watch what God does. Would you stand with me this morning as we close? Now, I have to be honest. Say, just say, we trust you, Pastor. Just say, we trust you, Pastor. Say, say we love you, Pastor. Go ahead and say that. Say, we love you, Pastor. I feel the love. I'm feeling the love right now. Once a month, we take a special offering at the end of the service uh, for, for b- benevolent needs. That's today. I, didn't, I wasn't setting you up for this, I promise. It, it just fell on the, this day, and this was the day in the series when I was going to be talking about generosity. But what a great opportunity, amen, for us to walk out the doors, and when we have the ushers at the doors with a bucket, just to drop something in there, maybe like the, the woman that dropped two small coins in there. Maybe it's all you have. Maybe you could drop a few dollars in there and be generous today toward those. Most of the things that you saw in here where we gave financially was from the benevolent fund that you give. And so we wanna continue to just give that out generously and watch how God works in our lives. Um, if, before you leave, if you have a prayer need this morning, we're gonna have some folks up here to pray with you. Please come down and get prayer before you go. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we confess this morning our weakness that we, we fear money, we're anxious about money, sometimes we're, we're not generous with money. Sometimes we close our hearts to the needs around us. But Lord, this week, would you help us when we feel compassion, when we feel the Holy Spirit working and moving us toward generosity, help us, God, to be obedient. Help us to give our lives away. Help us to become poor so someone else can become rich. In Christ's name, everybody said, amen. amen.